You're listening to the Inner Child Podcast. If you've struggled with toxic relationships for 10, 20, 30, even 40 years, what would it mean for you to completely escape your pattern and get the healthy relationship you've always wanted in just five months? That's exactly what happened to my client, Amanda, who is today's special guest. Amanda is such a beautiful soul and a powerhouse who's been crushing it in her law career. But she joined Soulmate as her 40th birthday was approaching, already had one divorce under her belt, and came out of another messy relationship. And despite doing so much self-development work and even having a psychology degree, just couldn't be free of this pattern of being in very codependent, very toxic relationships. And I'm so giddy to share that Amanda came in like a wrecking ball. She followed our exact methods, took my strategies, and played full out in the community and attracted her first healthy relationship after just five months of joining Soulmate. Mind blown. Today, she's here to share her full story of her before and after transformation and what was the turning point where she realized, holy crap, this inner child stuff is actually working. We dive into all of that and also some hilarious behind the scenes stories of some of my bad analogies and so much more. And for the first time ever, Soulmate will finally be available to the general public. We're turning my entire process into a self-paced course where you can simply take my tools and start implementing right away to see immediate changes and results in your dating and relationships. This is the first time I'm ever doing this. So stay until the end to find out how you can learn more and register early so that you won't miss out on this amazing opportunity right after this intro. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang, and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. Amanda, welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. I'm doing really well. I'm doing great. Yes. Well, we're going to dive into all the juicy goodness. And here we are on the show. This is where it started. And now you're on here. I obviously got to know you very well over the last year, but for our audience, can you just introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Amanda. I'm an attorney. I guess I'll lead with that. I am a person who cares about healing and self-work and discovery. And yeah, I live in Oakland, California. I found this podcast about a year ago now, probably maybe a little less. And it was a total game changer and have since started working with you, Gloria. And wow, my life is radically different. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Going to make me cry, but I'm going to try to hold back throughout this episode. (laughs) And here you are now. So Amanda, I'd love to dive into your backstory a little bit. Can you share with us before starting this inner child work, before joining the program, what was your life like, your childhood, your relationships, like what brought you 
to feel inspired to do this kind of work? Sure. You know, in a very direct way, I think what brought me to the podcast, and I had already sort of been on this journey of self-discovery, but was that I was very aware that I had recently started to come out of a relationship that I would describe as trauma bonded. And so I was literally on Spotify searching trauma bonding because I thought, I don't know, maybe I can hear something about this. It'll be validating. And I found your episode on trauma bonds and it really resonated. Yeah, you know, at that time, I was just doing a lot of personal inventory, really starting to accept that there had been a lot of patterns in my life that I needed to pay attention to and address so that I wouldn't keep repeating them. I am a self-proclaimed serial monogamist. (laughs) I've had a number of long-term relationships. I'm divorced, married my ex-wife several years ago now. We'd been together almost 11 years by the end. And that relationship was up and down, sometimes okay, often not great. Certainly wasn't the one for me. And I saw my way clearly to that, but I got out of it. And within about a year, I found myself in another relationship that felt in some surface ways, like it was going to be very different. And in some ways it was, but it also just sort of a more intense version of the same things I'd been struggling with with my ex and a real intense trauma bond. I was raised mostly by a single mother. I'm close to both my parents, but I think I developed a lot of emotional habits and tendencies around the sort of often not boundaried relationship I had with my mother. And so I really started to do that inventory and say like, okay, I'm 39. I'm about to turn 40 in four days, actually, uh, at the time that we're recording this. And (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Thank you. And I think it just really hit me. It was like, okay, you've spent 39 years playing out these patterns that you learned in childhood and have just reinforced and reinforced. And there's no reason to think anything's going to be different if I don't really buckle down and see what was behind that and how I can change it going forward. And so that's what led me here. You know, professionally, I, I really identified with how you'd talk about on your podcast, you know, it's these like high achievers. And I thought, God, yeah, I'm professionally quite happy with my life. I would say it's successful and, and have really achieved the things I've sought out to achieve. But man, is that not the case in my interpersonal lives, especially with romantic relationships. So yeah, about maybe, let's say nine months ago, I found myself at a crossroads and said, all right, it's time to make a change. Yes, I love that. And your story is so inspirational, Amanda. What's so important is, I think, also freeing for those listening. You're a very intelligent person, I will say, right? You've got your (laughs) stuff together in so many regards. And then when we see that even in relationships, even though that we're so smart and so aware but these patterns keep happening. You start to realize that it's not actually about how smart we are, right? Or how competent we are. You know, how would you describe why this pattern still happens when we don't dig into this work? I mean, for me, yeah, it was easy to say, oh, I'm a smart person. I should be able to do better at this. But I was sort of I don't know how to say it, like operating in this mode that was just very different. Like actually earlier on before I connected with you, I I started to have some thoughts like, okay, what would lawyer Amanda say about these choices that you're making and really sort of trying to merge those things. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, something that became clear to me is that for all the influence that my mother has had on me, 
she has never influenced me professionally. And so my mom, she worked hard to be the best mother she could, but she never had a career. I didn't take cues from her professionally and I was successful in that domain, but I did take a lot of cues from her interpersonally. And so just really realizing that when I make choices professionally, I am doing it with a from a secure, calm, cool, collected place where I'm not triggered and I can say, this is good for my business and maybe it's upsetting, but it's the right decision for this. And, you know, could just sort of be not, not detached, but just more clear headed about it. And I think that when it came to romantic relationships, I was still operating from an attachment wound, from this place of it's my job to save the women who love me, <laughs> just like it was my <laughs> job to make my mother's life better, you know, just playing out the same dynamic. And I think not recognizing that and just even thinking like, well, I'm a smart person, so I must be making decent choices, not really seeing that. I wasn't making those choices from this rational, well-thought place. I was making very emotional, knee-jerk decisions that were about feeling safe because I didn't feel safe emotionally. I did feel safe at work. I felt safe and confident and happy and able to build what I wanted. But I think emotionally in relationships, I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel like I had the tools that I needed to get my needs met. And so I would work really hard in other ways. Yeah, tie myself into knots just to make yeah. myself feel better. <laughs> and boom, then I ended up in two or more long relationships that really were not serving me. And such an important distinction there, right? So, you know, with that being said, what were some of your biggest wins inside this program? <laughs> like, how did you know, like, oh, wow, like this might actually be working? <laughs> oh my gosh. So, you know, it's a funny story. So I realized that I needed this program in particular when I was out on a pretty terrible date. <laughs> Actually, the date was okay. The match was not good. And this was last fall. And I went out with a woman who had dealt with a lot of addiction issues. And she had been an alcoholic when she was young, and she'd been in the program for a long time and was in recovery. But we were talking about addiction. And she was talking about a, an ex of hers and the way that she drank. And I was like, yeah, that's some problematic drinking. I've experienced that. And she said, yeah, but that's not an addict. Like, I know I'm an addict because, or she said, the way I define addict is when I wanted to quit drinking, I needed to have all this accountability. I needed to tell a bunch of people I was doing it. I needed to be checking in with them regularly. And as she said it, it's like this penny dropped in my head. And I realized, like, that's not what I needed at the times I've stopped drinking before. I've, I've just stopped drinking. Like, oh, that's not serving me. But that is what I needed to leave my relationships. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, I need to treat this like an addiction. I need to see this as something that I don't have the power to do on my own, that I do need to call in resources for. And so something that was so appealing to me about the program, Soulmate, is that I could really rely on a community of people to help hold me accountable for the things I wanted to do. Because the other side of that was, oh no, I'm letting down my ex. I'm letting down this person who needs me. Oh, I have to go back to them. And so really prioritizing what I knew was good for me, I could tell was going to take that other accountability. And so something that came up early in the program, and I think I also heard on the podcast is you can't heal when you're still being triggered. And so when I first met you, I was still in contact with my ex. I had moved out. We were in less contact. Things had improved vastly. 
But I was still being triggered when we talked, even if it wasn't terrible. It was just still that wounded part of me was constantly being aggravated. And so probably the first most important thing that I did and that I found so much help from the program with was cutting her off fully. And I remember very well the process of doing it. I sent her a long email that I definitely did not look back <laughs> I at. I remember this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was getting ready to send it. And when I sent it, I posted in the group and let people know and they were so encouraging. And it did. It felt like I have this accountability. I can't go back. I told these people I'm committed to healing. And I told them that this is what I'm doing. I told them that it's what I needed to do. We signed a heart retreat contract in the group. And even then, I was not sure I was ready to cut her off. But it became clear to me that that was the only way to move forward. And I did. I cut her off. And that was almost exactly six months ago, actually. And wow, what a difference. I mean, that yes. it was just <laughs> night and day. And it was still hard at times. And I'd feel worried that I had the community to come to and say, like, I, I feel bad, but I know I made the right decision and just got so much support and validation for that. And similar thing when I did the next sort of cutting out a toxic person from my life, which is that I <laughs> separated from my business partner who I had been running a company with and I haven't cut her off in quite the same way, but I've significantly reduced my contact with her. And I have launched my own separate law practice that she's not involved in. And mm -hmm. that too was something that I had yes. just been dragging my feet on. I was worried about the ramifications. I didn't know what would happen. I was afraid for all kinds of reasons. I felt like I needed to take care of her. And I stopped. <laughs> and I removed these toxic influences from my life. I freed up space for myself, for yeah. Yes. people and things I want in my life. And it's just been a game changing several months. And it's a lot to happen in such a short amount of time, Amanda, which is why I love your story so much, right? And um, you know, just <laughs> between you and I, something I've always thought was a wonderful quality in you, Amanda, is you were always so willing to do the uncomfortable thing, right? Even when it was hard. It started off with the gradual cutting off the X. It's really hard at the beginning. Yes. right. It feels like you want to do everything to prevent that bad feeling. But I think is that constant reminder that this is a temporary hard for a more permanent period of peace that will come later on. And so as you are working through these difficult changes, because it is hard to change, what was keeping you going? What was waiting for you on the other side? <laughs> I mean, I think first it is exactly that, a willingness to do the thing that makes you uncomfortable. And I didn't have that for years. I always chose the path that felt more comfortable. And for me, the path that felt more comfortable was making the people, the women around me happy. And I had this moment of insight. I did a 10-day silent meditation, the Pashna retreat class in August. And I had mm. this moment sitting there just completely lost it, sobbing, just had this visual of these larger-than-life women who were the driving force behind everything I did in my life and that everything I did was about a fear of upsetting them. And I think from that moment, I started on a path of I'm no longer willing to make choices just to avoid that discomfort. I'm finally ready to prioritize myself. And it was hard because I knew, and this was the case, that would mean a period of shedding without knowing what was coming next, you know, a period of being uncomfortable and removing people who obviously there were still some positive things 
in these relationships. That's partly why I was holding on to them. And so really letting go of the known and the familiar with some sort of faith in the universe that there were better things out there for me once I cleared space for them, that I couldn't receive those things until I had cleared out the toxic energy that was around me. And that once I did, even if it didn't happen immediately, and even if I had no idea what it was going to look like, that it would turn around and it would get better. Yeah, I had to rely on that trust. Yeah, it's that decision, right? We have to come to a point where we have to be choosing to make this decision to change. I think that's so important. Yeah, the abundance piece is huge, right? And as we're talking about this, it's the way that we operate in relationships. You know, it's so crazy to me that you would never sign up for a 20-year job not knowing how to run the job. (laughs) Right. And yet we're expected to jump into these long term relationships and not even understand the basic mechanics of how a healthy relationship actually works. Right. Especially for us who come from childhood trauma, you know, it's a lot of unlearning the old way of having relationships that just don't work. And so what are some of your favorite tools that you learn from soulmate that maybe you still carry with you now? I mean, I think. Being really connected to myself has been the most important thing. And that can mean a number of different things. It can mean getting very clear on what I'm looking for and holding to that and not letting myself get pulled into whatever feels good at the time. And having time by myself, having time just like building and connecting a relationship with myself, because I think that oftentimes I would be so far in before into a relationship before I'd realize how unhappy I really was. My ex-wife, actually, when we'd been together for a number of years, I was definitely drinking too much. I was really unhappy and I was using alcohol to deal with that. And eventually she asked me, would I stop drinking? And I said, yeah, if you think it's a problem, I can see that. You know, it's an opportunity to work on myself. Yes, I'll stop. And I stopped drinking and I started feeling yeah. and I started connecting with myself. <laughs> it was shortly thereafter that I said, you know yeah. what? I don't want to be Didn't in this feel very anymore. good. <laughs> and so I think, <laughs> yeah, it's like maybe you're going to regret that you asked me to stop drinking. But yeah, I think just really not letting myself get so pulled into what I think the other person might think, what they might need, what they might want, how they're feeling about me. Now I wonder, how do I feel about them? What do I want? How am I doing? And as I've really worked to get in touch with my intuition over the past year or so, I've noticed that not only was I not listening to my intuition, I was shutting it down. Like my body and brain try to help me. They really do. And if that hasn't aligned with what I think my partner wants, I have really silenced myself pretty aggressively, sort of disregarded what I deep down did know to be true because I didn't want it to be true. And so I think that the biggest thing that I've shifted is just actually connecting with myself, paying attention to that intuition. You know, even if something very small crops up saying like, okay, that's there for a reason, at least investigate that and just prioritize that relationship with myself. So important. It's a crazy concept, isn't it? Our relationships with our partners has something to do with our relationship with ourselves, right? (laughs) Sure does. Yeah, it took me a really long time to figure that out too. So yeah, I think it all starts within. And so I got to ask, how are things looking in the relationship category now (laughs) in your life? (laughs) Things are great. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think you and others in the program said, and you were always saying, like, once you do the work, once you really get clear on what your patterns are, how developing these tools to approach things differently (laughs) and figuring out what you want, 
it'll happen fast. And boy, did it. (laughs) I did, you know, as part of the heart retreat contract, I decided I wouldn't start dating again after October. I decided I wouldn't start dating till March. And so I didn't, I think right before March, I started to like get back on the apps, kind of suss things out and went on a couple dates that were like, okay, one was not great. She reminded me of my mother and I could see that right away. And it really turned me off, which was a good reaction to have. And, you know, I was like, oh, all right, (laughs) don't have time for that. That's for sure. And she kept pursuing it. And I set clear boundaries and felt good about that and felt like I had those skills. And it's funny, I was living in San Diego at the time and I was finding that the women I'm interested in were mostly up here in the Bay Area where I'd lived for about 10 or 11 years before. And so I, you know, I was thinking, gosh, I don't, I want to like move just to meet someone, but this is going to be tricky. And then one day on March mm-hmm. 6th, <laughs> I'd been swiping and I had seen this woman who I really liked. She was a professor. She looked like my type and I'd swiped right on her. And I remember thinking like, oh shoot, I shouldn't have swiped so quickly. I should have read even more because <laughs> I wasn't paying for the app. So I, I couldn't get it back. And you know, I, like, I should have figured out who she was so I could find her in real life in case we don't connect. Yeah. And then I forgot. And then on Sunday, March 6th, she messaged me. We had matched and she was in town. She lives up here in Alameda, right right near Oakland. And she was in town in San Diego visiting with friends and said, hey, I'm down here if, if you'd love to meet up while I'm in town if you have some time. And as it happened, I went and hung out with 10 of her friends <laughs> and her. <laughs> and it was magical, like just unbelievable, but not in a way I had ever felt before, right? I'd had times where I'd felt like, oh, I'm so attracted or something. But again, it was like in the past, it was triggering that sort of unhealthy home feeling, that familiarity. And this felt so comfortable and so compatible and so exciting, but in this really grounded, wonderful way that I had not experienced. And so we had the most amazing first date. I mean, we spent a good chunk of time with her friends who were lovely. And then we spent a fair bit of time alone, just talking and then kissing. And it was like, oh my gosh, it was great. And it's so funny because I have now in perpetuity, this video I made, I was on my way home and I wanted to let my friend know how the date had gone, but I was worried she was asleep. So I've made a video to send her and I started out the video and I'm going, dude, this was the best. This was the most amazing date. And I think I was so overcome with relief at the feeling of connecting with someone who felt like they might actually be a good choice for me that I started crying so hard. I have this video of me just sobbing and being like, it was so good. I know. I know I sound upset, but it was really good. It was really good. (laughs) And it was. It was amazing. And that was a little over three months ago now. And so she and I are in a yes. wonderful relationship. I mean, yes, I'm a serial monogamist. I've had plenty of relationships, but this is not like anything I've had before. This is for sure my first secure relationship. And I love how I show up to it. I don't feel anxiously attached. And really interestingly, like if I'm stressed about something going on for me, I notice that I will sometimes be like, oh, is she mad at me? <laughs> but because the relationship is so great, so secure, the communication is so open, I can quickly tell myself, like, no, she would tell you if something was wrong. Like, whatever's going on for you is happening inside. And I was never able to tell that before because I was with people who were reflecting back to me, like, yeah, this is a problem and we amp each other up with our anxieties or whatever it was. And and so (laughs) I feel like I have a different relationship to myself in this relationship as well. And it's also amazing because I think I've believed that 
I was only attracted to people who were toxic or who brought out this push-pull in me that there had to be something. And I mean, I was like, my ex-wife was my professor. I liked to violate boundaries. I like to like say, this is a bad idea and I'm going to do it. So the idea that I could find someone who just in every way feels like a good and healthy choice, someone who, you know, when I introduce her to my friends are like, wow, I've heard the word deserve so much. So many people saying like, this is what you deserve. And she's great. She's amazing. She has such a wonderful calm energy. I love her. I mean, it's just I've never felt anything like this. And I'm so excited that I'm so attracted to her. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm compromising at all, at all in any department. And I didn't know this was possible. And I am so happy. <laughs> I will never get tired of the story, Amanda. <laughs> We're just so happy for your success and finding exactly what you wanted. And I think a lot of folks inside our program have a similar thing of they worry that they're not attracted to the right person, right? And that's something we work through. And do you remember this? I forget which call it was, but I think you asked me, what is healthy love supposed to feel like? (laughs) Yes. At that time, I had a metaphor that was in the works and it didn't come out very good, but I think they got the message across in some sense, like to somebody who has never experienced secure love before. The best way I do describe it is it's almost like being in a relationship with your dog, right? It's the same. <laughs> state. <laughs> it sounds really bad, but that's the best way I can create an analogy of it's almost like the love for a dog in a human form that you mm-hmm. also want to have sex with from time to time. Right? <laughs> The metaphor Um, stops there. Yeah. 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 But how would you describe what a secure love feels like from someone who comes from insecure attachment? I mean, I I understand why you say that. You know, I think like you care about your dog in this way that's just like pure and and feels good and not complicated by like, is my dog mad at me? Is my dog, you know, whatever. Like it's just all there out in the open and there aren't like toxic dynamics, hopefully driving your relationship with your dog. So, I mean, I think for me, yeah, it just feels good. It feels like it makes my life bigger. It feels like it makes everything better and doesn't take away from things. I don't feel like I'm compromising myself. I feel like I'm adding to the life that I've built. And I feel like I am clear on I want to be around her because I love being with her. I love the things we do together. I love the feeling I have when I'm with her, not because I want to make sure she's not mad at me or because I want to make sure things are okay or whatever. It's just what you see is what you get. I feel like there's no subtext. There's no drama underlying it. With my ex, part of the way that I did finally start to leave the relationship in the first place is that it got slightly less high conflict. We stopped fighting quite as much. And I didn't feel that pull anymore that came from the fighting, the back and forth of fighting and making up, fighting and making up. And once that was gone... I didn't like her that much. I didn't have that much desire to even be with her. It's like that sort of glasses came off or the veil was pulled away from my face. And I said, wait, why am I even in this? I'm just in a cycle of trying to get her to like me. And it just never feels that way in my relationship now. It just feels like we want to spend time together because we want to enjoy life together. It feels pure and simple and good. I mean, not that everything is perfect. Like life is complicated, but it just truly feels like 
It's wonderful. I like myself better when I'm in this. I think for me, that's a big piece of it is like healthy love feels like it is compatible with love for myself. Yes. There we go. I always see it's so important that you need to like your partner as much or even more than you're attached to them. <laughs> and you know, for those listening who aren't really sure, you can do what Amanda just said, right? If you take away the pleading and the begging and the fighting and the wanting to win that person over, would you still like them as a person without those things? And that's your answer. Mm-hmm. It's a hard truth, a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. But that's not an issue for you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's really not. Yeah. Now, what would you say to someone who might be sitting on the fence of joining a program like this? Because you might have had some hesitancies at the beginning, right? Obviously, you're committing to changing yourself and change can be really scary. So what might you say? I mean, I'd say if there's a part of you that's thinking about doing it, that's probably a sign that you should back to like trusting your intuition. If there's something that appeals to you, if you're listening to the podcast, you're reading about the program and you're thinking like, I don't know, yeah, I could really see myself getting some benefit from that, then you probably really will much more than you even realize at this point. Yeah, change is scary. I was really lucky that I I met my girlfriend pretty quickly, but there were still a few months in there where I was feeling really lonely and really scared. I was trusting that I made the right decisions and I was feeling good about my relationship with myself, but it was scary. I mean, you know, I had to realize like a lot of the people I thought of as important people in my life were just not people I wanted around, but that meant I cut out a bunch of important people in my life and things got real quiet. That was hard. I mean, now I see like that was the only way to make space for the people I truly wanted in my life and both romantically and on a friend level that has improved vastly. But yeah, I think like we said in the beginning, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable in order for change to happen and to stop repeating the patterns and have good things come. And so Yeah, if you're tempted to do it, and part of what's holding you back is a fear of change or discomfort, then I think that's even more of a sign that this is the right path for you to take. Beautiful words. You know, sometimes people don't believe me when they say, oh, it only took me four months, right? And so Amanda took five months (laughs) to find her partner. And actually, I don't know if you know this, but Ronalee's coming on next week, um, because she met her partner in six months. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's going to be a fun series that we're putting out. And the time thing seems to trip people up because I think even for myself, I used to come from this belief that it takes years and years to heal and be alone before you find someone. But, you know, in our philosophy, that's just not true. And if you could boil it down to a few core things, what led to this sort of expedited process where you didn't have to take years or months and months and months away from dating? I mean, I think first it's it's like quality over quantity, right? Like, yes, you could spend like 10 years sort of half paying attention to the work you need to do and it'll take a while. But for me, I really focused on this. I moved to a little place down in Encinitas near the ocean just to sort of heal. And I saw some friends and did some things, but I spent a lot of time just alone and meditating and doing yoga and going through the exercises in the program and modules and talking to people and parsing these things out and saying like, okay, And really almost turning myself into an object of study. Okay, what is that reaction? Where is that coming from? And what is that emotion that I've been suppressing? Let's let that out and see what's there. And I think that really being willing to 
be vulnerable with yourself, to let yourself feel things. And for me, I store so much stress in my body and then so much emotion that I have suppressed in my body. And so just really, really starting to connect with myself in that sort of embodied way. I think it was a combination of those things. And it was like, 15 years, basically, of repeating very similar patterns. And so I think like a lot of the people listening, I am a high achiever. And when I'm committed to doing something, I'm going to do it. And I think I realized I hadn't ever been fully committed to self-growth and healing in the way that I was and am and started to be over the last year or so. And, you know, things hadn't gotten bad enough that it felt like I absolutely had to be, but they got to that point. And so I think I sort of looked at myself the same way I would look at, you know, a project I want to do at work or something that was like, all right, well, you got to put all the time and energy, whatever it takes, you're going to do it. You've got some goals and it'll pay off. Yeah. When I turned that lens onto myself and my love life, you were ready pretty quickly. I was, I was ready. And that willingness to go all in, right? I think that's the, mm-hmm. the secret to success for a lot of things. Being really honest with ourselves, that's a tough thing, right? Because I can totally relate. I was a dabbler for many years where, you know, I would like read one book here and go to a couple sessions mm-hmm. here. And maybe on paper, I checked all the boxes or I got a certificate in this, but my heart wasn't fully in it, right? And I think only you can really know that. Right. You're the only person that can be brutally honest with yourself, that level of commitment. So super exciting. Thank <laughs> and you. what's next for you on your journey? I guess that's our last question for today. Yeah. I mean, so I've launched my own law practice and yes. that's been amazing already. It's still very much in the early stages. So I'm just kind of excited to see how I already feel such relief not having to deal with a lot of the negativity and just stress that I was dealing with before. And so I'm just sort of like, we'll see how this changes things for me too. I recently moved back to Oakland near where my girlfriend lives and where I have a lot of old friends and clients and network. And this is just a place that feels like home to me. So I don't know what's next, but I hope it looks a lot like what's going on now because I am incredibly happy. Like I said, I'm about to turn 40. I just had a birthday party this past weekend and it was just amazing to feel so surrounded by so much love and support (laughs) from people I really chose to have in my life. And I want to see what this does. Who am I when I get to be so intentional about the people I surround myself with and the life that I live? I'm excited for that. Yes. Happy birthday, Amanda. And you have worked so hard at really creating a life that you don't need to escape from, right? Yes. Yes. And a lot of us do, whether it's drinking or doom scrolling on Instagram, we're always trying to find (laughs) ways of getting away from this, right? But you took matters in your own hands and I couldn't be prouder. So thank you for sharing your story and coming on to the show. Well, thank you. Of course. Thanks. It's great to come full circle to, yeah. to be on the show after discovering it. And, but you and didn't I expect just, that so a year grateful. ago. <laughs> I did not. I definitely did not. No. I'm so grateful to you, Gloria, and the community oh, at, just for supporting me and seeing me and giving me that ability to believe in myself and in a future that I really couldn't have imagined a couple of years ago at all. It's been absolutely wonderful. It's been an absolute pleasure, Amanda. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk with us today. Anytime.
All right, loves, that was Amanda. And if there's any one big takeaway, if you paid attention to what Amanda said, you'll hear that her results came so quickly because she went all in. You see, a lot of people are dabblers, and I've been guilty of this too in the past, where you put in one foot and keep out the other because deep down you're worried that things are not going to work. Then, of course, it ends up not working because you're not fully committed to making the change. But Amanda was ready. She trusted the process. She was fully committed to doing the work and was willing to get uncomfortable and face some of the biggest wounds and challenges in her entire life. And that's how she got results so quickly. So if you're listening to this and you're also ready to buckle down and just do the damn work, you're tired of dabbling, maybe you're tired of not really getting anywhere, and maybe you've listened to this podcast on repeat, then I invite you to take this incredible opportunity to join our new self-paced program called Secure Soulmate Attraction. This program has my entire blueprint of how to stop having toxic relationships and attract the healthy, extraordinary relationship that you deserve. This is the exact same inner child process that I used to break my own pattern of 10 years of codependent relationships, which led me to attract my own partner, Andrew. And until now, this system was only available to private clients who were in my original soulmate program. So again, this is the complete step-by-step. It's been proven, tried, and tested over my entire career with multiple clients And I want to say that this is not just some encyclopedia that I'm regurgitating to you, right? I'm only giving you the most important tools and strategies that you can start applying right away to get immediate results in your healing journey, in your dating and your relationships, right? All the tools, the scripts, the worksheets, everything you actually need to get closure from your childhood baggage to your ex from things like what you should actually do on dates to call in the right people, how to use online dating to figure out red flags and green flags before you even meet the person. We cover when you should actually commit to someone and what to do with triggers so that you're not sabotaging your relationships again. Everything you could possibly need so that you're not wasting any more time in bad relationships. And the best part is that this program is designed for singles and couples so that if you're just starting off as a single person, this program will actually grow with you as you attract and develop a brand new relationship. How awesome is that? So if you're hearing this, you're thinking, Gloria, I'm so ready. This is exactly what I need. You want to get in early, claim your spot by going to buygloriazang.com slash soulmate or click on the show notes below. Amanda and tons of my clients have already gone through this process. And just as a side note from you to me, my complete vision, you know, my life purpose, if you will, is really helping people through their inner child wounds. And because I love love so much and this desire to get in a healthy relationship and to break this pattern has been my biggest motivation through my entire journey. And mark my words, the release of this self-paced version of the course is going to change the standards of what relationships will be like in the future, one student at a time. That is my goal, to establish a new normal, a new standard of what we consider to be normal in relationships. And that starts here. 
So if this sounds like something you really want to be part of, you want to know how people are breaking their patterns and getting into relationships, check out the link in the show notes. That's bygloriazang.com slash soulmate. However, if you don't really want to join a program yet, you're not sure, and maybe you're just curious about what all this hype's about, then I invite you to come to my free workshop first. I'm running a series of live workshops, and my workshop will teach you, actually teach you the three-step formula on how we help people break toxic patterns for good, how to attract the right partner, as well as how to never sabotage a relationship again. It's completely free. All I ask is free to show up. And you can find the free workshop at buygloriazang.com slash workshop, or simply just click in the show notes below. Now in next week's episode, we're going to talk about, you know, when you feel that spark at the start of a relationship, is having that spark always a sign of a trauma bond or a toxic relationship? Or can sparks actually mean a connection, a real deep, healthy connection? And what's the difference between the two? So stay tuned for next week where we dive into this topic. And in the meantime, me and Andrew are actually going to visit Vancouver this week for about four days. And we're so super excited just to take a break, spend some time together and reconnect that way. So if you found this episode really inspiring, you got lots of goodies out of this, leave us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or whatever app you're listening on, or take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at ByGloriaZang. And that's it for now. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in. And I will see you in next week's episode. Bye for now. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot, so thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one.